Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler, and I have a little bit of a different type of episode for you guys today. We got the Senior Bowl coming up in just a couple of weeks. If you guys missed it just a few days ago and you don't follow me on Twitter already at underscore Ryan Fowler on that platform, I chatted with Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl, and is a guy in these next few years potentially to, to know as far as in the GM carousel that we see every single year and every single offseason for teams that don't qualify for the playoffs that make changes up top. So I chatted with Jim. He is all things scouting, evaluation, and putting the roster together for the American team and the national team at the Senior Bowl. And I chatted with him, I believe it's our third or fourth time this cycle, talking about the Senior Bowl. Guys that recently accepted invites, underclassmen to know at the event because juniors are now allowed to participate in pre-draft showcases such as the Senior Bowl. And there just simply isn't another showcase event like the Senior Bowl down in Mobile, Alabama every single year. And now granted, the talent every year is special, whether it's a tight ends group, it's a corners group like we saw last year, and this year the focus is going to remain on the offensive tackles. And today, I want to dive into the entire offensive list of players, accepted invites that are going to go down to the Senior Bowl, and we're going to look at every single guy. And I want to just preview every player. Doesn't matter if you're a Bo Limmer from an Arkansas or Talese Fuaga from Oregon State or an Amani Bailey running back from TCU. We're going to talk about every single guy. Quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, tight ends, and offensive linemen. What each guy brings to the table for an NFL offense. A loaded group of players. A lot of guys do different things. Some positional groups this year were better than, are better than others than last year. And last year is better than this year's. But there is talent everywhere. This is the cream of the crop that are putting their collegiate helmet on for the final time as an athlete, as a collegiate football player before they really get going into this pre-draft process. Because once the senior bowl is over, they're going to the combine. Then they got their pro days, but they're not strapping up. They don't have their Florida State helmet on, their Oregon helmet. They don't have shoulder pads on. They're not competing. But the Senior Bowl provides them this last opportunity for all 32 teams in attendance to show up with your pads on and make a name for yourself and raise your draft stock. Force teams to move their boards around as you move into the meat of this pre-draft process. Because look, it's already January 19th. So in in about 12 days, the 28th, that's when my flight leaves to Mobile. And I'll be down there all week having coverage for both Bleacher Report and the Draft Network on site in Mobile. Video, audio, and written as well. Again, on Bleacher Report and thedraftnetwork.com. And I'm pumped up because you want to see what we call good bump, good competition, good on good. And providing scouts and evaluators across the industry the ability to say, how is how good is this guy? Lay Tulatu, specifically, edge rusher from UCLA. My edge one in this class. He will be down in Mobile this year. Going up against guys like Talese Fuaga from Oregon State. Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma. Jordan Morgan from Arizona. Now, we will see how the rosters divvy out American team, national team. Chatted with Jim Nagy for a couple hours yesterday 
on a Zoom call where he previewed each roster. It's just those rosters aren't out to the public yet. So we'll see those exact matchups here in just a few weeks. But we are, look, it's right around the corner in Mobile, Alabama, guys. And I, I am just pumped up because it's the start of draft season. Oh, every year, every day, really, for me, 365-year cycle, it's it's draft day all the time. But now this is really the time where we get kick-started and we can really dive in on these prospects and finalize those evaluations with a window like this that the Senior Bowl provides to say, this is what this guy is. This is what his floor is, his potential ceiling is at the NFL level. Is he a locked-in top 20 pick? Or is he a guy that maybe slips into round two, round three? Or is he a guy that I don't want to touch until day three? A lot of those answers for a lot of those players will be figured out and ironed out when we get down to Mobile and post-Mobile. And of course, as we move forward into the Combine, which is again in Indianapolis this year. So let's look at these rosters. I want to start with the big boys up front. They are the headlining group of this year's Senior Bowl a long list of offensive tackles. There may be seven potential offensive tackles, or maybe more, who knows, we'll see, that go in the first round this year. There's some guys like Troy Fotanu from Washington that have that tackle guard versatility. Graham Barton from Duke that has played tackle at Duke, but scouts believe that he is going to be the top center in this entire class. So those types of valuations and resources, I'm going to try to provide as much intel for you guys with this podcast, looking again at every single accepted invite for every offensive player so far going down to Mobile. So let's start up front again with the big boys. And we're going to start out with Talise Fuaga from Oregon State. Now, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on each guy. We'll be here all damn day. But Talise Fuaga is one of the most technically refined tackles in this entire class. Probably, in my opinion, the 1 or 1A in run blockers in this class. He has the ability to distort the line of scrimmage, and Mobile is going to be huge for him because I do think he's a top 20 pick uh, in this draft. Andrew Rame is an interior offensive lineman from Oklahoma. When you think of an Oklahoma offensive lineman, you think of athletes. You think of the Lane Johnsons of the world. You think of last year with Wandy Morris and Anton Harrison or way back with Trent Williams. Every year guys come out, right? Orlando Brown, we're going to have two this year from Oklahoma. It is Rame in the middle. He's going to play center, most likely. I think of him as a late day two, early day three guy for me. And then Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma. And as much as I like Rame as a potential depth piece to come into an offense and potentially be a bang for your buck type of pick post top 100, Tyler Guyton is a guy that I don't think is getting enough attention in this class. Now, you're going to see his name a lot towards the back end of day one. And that may seem like I'm still, you know, I just said he's not getting enough attention. He's around one pick, Ryan. How can you say that? I don't think he makes it out of the top 15 picks. And if I'm a GM and I look at this tackle class and I know Olufashanu from Penn State and Joe Alt from Notre Dame are the headliners. And that's fine. And I think those two are a hell of a players. But when I look at Tyler Guyton, a former H-back at TCU, which is unbelievable, his movement skills if you've heard me on other podcasts, other shows, I talked about Tyler Guyton that he could tie his hands behind his back and win 90% of his reps. And what I mean by that is he is so fluid and his skills in space, his footwork, fundamental footwork and the ability to glide and mirror guys in space, whether he's 235 pounds or a guy's 260 pounds, 
he can remain neutral and remain in front of a guy. And then as a run blocker, he's got pop in his hands to push your ass to the ground and put your face in the dirt, steal your lunch money, and let you know about it a little bit. I love Tyler Guyton's game. And I think this is a situation when he's in Mobile to where he is going to dominate one-on-ones. Now, I'm not saying he's not going to lose a rep or two. The one-on-ones are really going to be pay-per-view type of, t- of really pay-per-view capable down there. It's unbelievable the talent we're going to see at tackle against Edge. But Tyler Guyton is a guy I just, every time I turn on the tape, I see something different with him, whether it's a it's in the run game or it's in pass pro or just watching him move and the way that he uses his hands, the patience that he has. And then once his hands are latched and how technically refined he is in his placement of his hands, the rep is over. And I have an appreciation for guys that are consistently able to make it look easy at the college level. And when you watch Guyton in the Big 12, Power 5 conference, now I know he wasn't facing Alabama and Georgia or Washington, a guy like Braylon Trice that probably for me will sneak into the back of day one. He just makes everything look easy. And the way that he moves at his size is unbelievable. And again, I don't know what the hell they're feeding those big boys down there in Oklahoma. But every year, it seems like they got tackles coming out, whether it's interior guys or or, or the tackle spot, that just move so well. And that's where the evaluation initially starts for guys, is how are you in pass pro? Because this is not the 1950s and 60s to where, look, we're just running wing T, we're running triple option, and we need just gap pluggers and guys to take up bodies. No, we need guys in space. You watch what Trent Williams was able to do and has been able to do in his career in Washington and San Francisco, coming out of Oklahoma, as a guy that can get out there for Debo Samuel on a screen and take out the corner. That is Herculean type of stuff that I see from a ceiling perspective in Tyler Guyton's game. And I'm just so damn excited to see him down in Mobile and solidify his stock as not just a first rounder, but for me a top 15 pick in this class because I think he's sensational. And honestly, if you're a team that doesn't want to take a Joe Alt or an Olu Fashanu in the top six, seven picks potentially, and you want to wait if Tyler Guyton is there and he's your guy at 13, 14, if he's there. I know some scouts have him as a top 10 pick potentially in this class, a top 10 player on their board, speaking of Tyler Guyton. But you could potentially wait and sell yourself on Tyler instead of saying, I want an Olu or Joe Alt. I'm that high on Tyler Guyton's game. I think he's sensational. I think he's a hell of an athlete and someone whose skill set is going to transfer extremely quickly to the NFL level. As we move down here, I mentioned him a little bit earlier, but Graham Barton from Duke is one of the more technically refined players in his class. The versatility always remains king at the offensive line spot. Uh, Tackle, guard, center versatility. I think he is going to be one of, if not the premier centers in this class. Now, I know Jackson Powers Johnson from Oregon. He's also going to be down at this game. We're going to get to him in just a little bit. Cedric Fran Pran from Georgia. Those are the headlining names. But Graham Barton, the way in which he wins, he's got tackle size. But what makes him special is his ability to sink his hips and get after people and win the leverage point at that size. And that's very unique to have that hip flexibility to sit and anchor and move, and be the quarterback in an offensive line. And I see that in Graham Barton's game. Even without a tackle, you can just tell he understands what he's looking at. Never late to ID stunts or twists. Always remaining neutral with a guy right in front of 
of his face mask. You just split him in half. He's right down the middle of Graham Barton's frame. He's never over his feet. He's never off balance. If he is get put, if he does get pushed, he's quick to stick those cleats in the ground and stop the rep. I just love how technically refined Graham Barton is. And another guy in Mobile, another lineman. You're going to hear it a lot today, but another lineman to bold if you're able to make it down to Mobile to see this guy uh, in person. Next is Javon Foster from Missouri. Missouri was, they had a hell of a year right on offense. Brady Cook, Cody Schrader, we're going to see down at the Senior Bowl. Luther Burden, a big-time five-star recruit from the St. Louis area, is a name to know for the 2025 class. Defense is loaded. They're going to have a bunch of guys down here as well. Um, I'm going to preview the defense next week. So front to back, we'll go through all those guys again next week. So January 26th, so next Friday, we'll talk defense of the Senior Bowl. But Javon Foster was the glue guy for this offense. And I love his movement skills as well. Now, it's not close to the ceiling athletically that Tyler Guyton has. But Javon Foster, I love the power that he has in his hands. I like his ability in the run game. He has a nastiness to him. It's an intelligent type of violence that he plays with. And I think he's someone with that strong tree trunk type of lower half to where it just makes it extremely tough for guys to threaten that outside shoulder consistently. And you see that a lot at the college level and a lot of these one-on-ones to where guys just want to run to the outside and be an athlete. And you see that a lot of these camps and these showcases, whether it's rivals or 247 and all these types of showcases that go on where guys just want to threaten the outside shoulder. They don't want to try to win with power. They don't want to try to jump to the inside. They don't want to showcase their hands and counters. They just want to beat you as an athlete. And you're just not going to be able to do that with consistency against a guy uh, like Javon Foster. Moving down the list here, two Michigan guys. Uh, Trevor Keegan is going to live within the interior and Ladarius Henderson is out at tackle. Ladarius is interesting in the fact that he is another Arizona State transfer. Jaden Daniels, you guys know the name, Heisman winner, transferred from Arizona State to uh, LSU. Ladarius was at Arizona State to Michigan. Another guy in Ricky Pearsall is going to be down at the Senior Bowl this year. We'll get to him in just a second at the receivers. They're all at Arizona State. And they went elsewhere and each have had their own success. And I, I finished Ladarius Henderson's eval yesterday. And I like his game. I think there is some progression technically that I want to see from his game. And I'm excited to see him down at the Senior Bowl because this is a big strong dude. Vice grips for hands, and I love his short area quickness, the lateral agility. Now, honestly, I think he's going to get, he's going to work at tackle, but I would love to see him as well at guard because when I project him with bumpers to either side of him, so right, if you have left tackle or center or right tackle and a center next to you, that short area quickness and the ability to displace guys inside of a phone booth, I really like that in Ladarius Henderson's game along that loaded Michigan offensive line to where every single year you know they're going to be not only one of the best offensive lines in football, in college football, but one of the well most well-coached offensive lines in football. And you don't see that a lot. Like, Notre Dame is well-coached. Oregon State's extremely well-coached. Michigan is extremely well-coached. But a lot of offensive lines in college football are simply not well-coached to where everything is condensed. They're not getting out in space. You're not you see that they're, whether just a gap or a zone scheme, they're just, it's very static 
and there's not a lot of movement. And then you watch an NFL offensive line and you see the movement and you see the types of things that they do along the front five, whether guys are pulling, whether you're working up at the second level. It's a lot of different intricate parts. And I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm an offensive line guru, but the difference that you see from the college level to the NFL level and the best college coached offensive lines, it's a massive massive difference. And with Ladarius and Trevor Keegan both coming out of that Michigan front five, you know they have been coached and technically refined at their positions to when that transfer period to the NFL level is just, it's not going to take that long in my opinion. So not perfect prospects by any means, not saying that they are, but both guys are going to get a hell of an opportunity at the senior bowl to play. Keegan live in the middle, Ladarius like to see him at tackle and guard in just a few weeks. Delmar Glaze from Maryland, one of the cool names in the class, right? Delmar Glaze, again, a Terrapin. We saw Jalen Duncan last year go to Tennessee um, down at the Senior Bowl, so now another Maryland Terrapin there. I'm interested to see how Delmar plays. He's, he's shown flashes at times the last few years to be dominant, and then at times to where you're trying to figure out what the exact evaluation is. Um, on Del Mar, but he's a guy I definitely have a red dot next to because Maryland usually produces some athletes uh, along that front five, especially within that DMV area to where it's sometimes Maryland, it, they struggle to get the Penn State recruits they, they pull from that area or some guys go to Pitt or some guys will go south to Virginia Tech or to the SEC, similar to what we saw this year. If you guys are familiar with Northern Virginia football, Tony Rojas at Fairfax High School went to Penn State, four, four-star recruit about an hour away from Maryland, but he went up to Penn State. Then this year, Fairfax High School is another guy, linebacker, going to Georgia. Right in that hotbed, they just can't get guys to stay home. Now, they've been better recently under Mike Loxley, but Delmar Glaze is an interesting type of talent, interesting athlete, so definitely a red dot next to him moving forward into Mobile. Charles Turner the third from LSU is going to live within the interior. They added Jeremy Flax uh, a couple days ago from Kentucky. He's a guy that's been rising on some boards these last few weeks. So getting him down there is someone that potential day three type of talent that you want to add, maybe a spot starter, maybe outwork somebody, or just to come in and have some depth for you as that swing guard, swing tackle. That's what Jeremy Flax is right now uh, for an NFL team. Dom Pooney from Kansas. Look, this is such a loaded offensive tackle group. I recently posted my top OT rankings on thedraftnetwork.com. And I had Pooney at 11. And when you think about that off the hoof, you're saying, well, Adam, he's the 11th tackle in this class. Well, again, seven guys could potentially go in round one. And I think Dom Pooney is a lockdown 100% second round guy for me. And I think he's going to show it this week. And when you turn on the Kansas tape, now, over the years, when you think about Kansas, you think of what? You think of basketball and Bill Self, right? Andrew Wiggins. Ben McLemore, right? The recent success that they've had. But you don't think football. And then Lance Leopold comes in the building and you got the success of Jalen Daniels and him at quarterback and Jason Bean at quarterback and Devin Neal is still one of the top running backs in college. We'll see him next year. But it's about building around those guys too and getting athletes along the front five. And Dom Pooney was, I still think, one of the more underappreciated tackles in this entire class because... He does not have the highest athletic ceiling or the highest pass pro ceiling to where he's dominant on every rep. He's just strong as an ox, technically refined, nuanced in his approach to where he uses his hands well, he counters well. But what I like most about Dom 
is he doesn't present a lot of target space, surface area, over his chest plate for guys to target. And what I mean by that is you see a lot of tackles play upright. I like to see guys that play a little bit hunched over a little bit, not over their feet, but where their eyes are level with the bottom chin strap of the opponent. Because I don't want a tackle to be able to have all this surface area to win with power or flip to the inside or rip to the outside. I don't want to present that. And Dom does such a nice job of as much as he can. Oh, he's a big ass dude. But he keeps that area small as much as he can to where it limits anything that a pass rusher can do. So that's nuanced stuff in his game that I really appreciate. And then he's a nasty finisher as well uh, in the run game. So that's Dom Pooney. Again, a guy I think is going to absolutely should be a second round pick uh, in this year's class. So if you're a team that needs a tackle and someone that you're not going to get one potentially top six, seven tackles in this class and on day, early portions of day two and you hear Dom Pooney out of Kansas, you should be very excited. Cooper Beebe from Kansas State. Ladies and gentlemen, look, Cooper Beebe just... If you want to know what Cooper Beebe looks like, just go to your fridge and put a helmet on it. That's Cooper Beebe. Just the power, the guy is built like a damn Mack truck. And our, it depends on who you talk to, but top guard in the country this year uh, for a lot of people. Sensational. Um, I like him more in that north-south type of scheme to where he's getting downhill. I think he could use some more flexibility in his lower half and foot quickness and things like that. But if you want somebody that's a road grader, somebody that can sink his ass in the ground and anchor against, I don't care if it's Jalen Carter or someone wants to slide in a 265-pound D-end, I don't care. I love Cooper BB's game. And it's just physical. Nasty. What you want in a guard. I like guards where I could... I'm not a Game of Thrones guy. But the type of people that are in there, the Vikings in those shows, where they're just nasty looking. Cooper Beebe, not hating on Cooper Beebe, but I feel like I could throw him in the Game of Thrones cast. I'm going to pull him out. That's the guy I want getting after people. That's Cooper Beebe. So again, not going to be the prettiest prospect on the field. Very high shoulder pads, thick dude, and it's going to take up a lot of space in those A and B gaps for guys to get past him. But just a physical, physical guy that has really good, really good hands, spring-loaded hands, and just a smart kid as well. So that is Cooper BB from Kansas State. Let's move down the list. Isaiah Adams from Illinois is going to be very interesting evaluation for me. His, his eval remains fluid. I want to see how he plays in Mobile. It's a big test for, for Isaiah Adams, in my opinion. Cedric Van Pran from Georgia. I mentioned him a little earlier as one of the top prospects in the interior in this class. He's really fighting for that center one spot. And I think we're going to be able to Look at this class and say, this guy is center one. Is it Van Pran? Is it Graham Barton? Is it Jackson Powers Johnson? Who is it in this class? So this entire center class, the guys are going to be aligned in the middle. Who's it going to be? And I'm just excited to get these, see these guys get after it because it's a massive opportunity with every team in attendance. Most teams will have their GMs there to say, I am center one or I'm center three or I'm center four. Show up and show out. This is the type of showcase that you do it. Last chance, time to show up. And that's what makes the Senior Bowl uh, just so fun. Kingsley Egukon from Florida. Interesting kid. 
Interesting kid. And when I turned on Kingsley's film, I, I like the movement skills, but I think there is some work to be done um, within the interior. I think sometimes he plays over his feet just a little bit too much for me. I think he's a little bit slow to ID stunts and twists a little bit. Um, personally, I don't know if I want him in a gap or zone scheme. I think the versatility to do both is awesome. I like that. But when we get down to the Senior Bowl and see what they do with Kingsley. Now, one-on-ones are, are sometimes tough to eval for guys because they're set up to where, look, receivers, corners, really the receivers are set up for success. One-on-ones with tackles and D linemen, it's sometimes tough for offensive tackles to consistently stymie guy after guy after guy after guy. doesn't matter if you're OT against an edge or an, a guard or center against a one-tech or three-tech or a guy lined up on your nose as a zero. It's tough. So these one-on-ones, I don't want to make it seem like it's the end-all be-all. But I know last year, I was very high on Jarrett Patterson coming out of Notre Dame, and I saw him at the Senior Bowl, and he was losing a lot of reps one-on-one. Um, he got blown back five yards. I think Adetima Adebaware from Northwestern that went to the Colts, he blew him back into the damn goalpost, about 10 yards. And everyone kind of looked at Jarrett Patterson and said, well, what is this guy? Because he was at Notre Dame for a multitude of years, didn't allow a sack for, I believe, three straight years, and then goes out on the Senior Bowl and struggles in one-on-ones. And for me, I stayed positive, and I realized when I watched the film, it's different than just watching one-on-ones. And Jarrett, if you guys didn't follow the Houston Texans that much this year with their interior line, Jarrett had a hell of a year before missing some time. So it's hard sometimes to just pull the reins back a little bit where everyone's going to get excited about these one-on-ones. You're going to see a lot of clips on social media. You'll see stuff from me, of course, on my Twitter. But just put things into perspective and had some context in these one-on-one situations where it's not the end-all be-all. And a lot of these guys have years and years and years of film to where you can turn it on to game action and see how these guys actually play. Not just one or two, three one-on-one reps that they lose and you're going to knock them down four rounds. That just flat out does not work. And that's, that's just not how the evaluation process at the NFL level works either. So moving on, a couple guards to know. JV and Cohen from Miami one of the premier guards in the class, as well as Christian Haynes from UConn. Uh, Christian Haynes has received a ton of attention really for the last couple of years. All Northeast scouts I've heard really like his game. Really the, the focus of the Northeast has been Christian, Christian Mahogany at Boston College and that BC pipeline. Christian will be out at Shrine this year out in Dallas. And then as well, Kieran Omega DJ from Yale. He had quad surgery just a couple of months ago and that's really going to, it's thrown a wrench in his process. Expected for Kieran to be down here at the Senior Bowl if he did not get hurt. But he did get hurt. And it's just, again, throwing a little bit of a wrench of where he's going to fall on draft day. But everybody in the Northeast loved Haynes, Mahogany, and, and Omega DJ. But seeing Haynes in person a couple years ago, if you guys were down in Mobile, or you remember the name Travis Jones from UConn as a one-tech, three-tech that went to Baltimore and had a good start to his career. Now wrapping up year two, right, with Baltimore heading into the divisional playoffs here in just a couple of days. Um, but Christian Haynes, again, from UConn. So... UConn isn't the best program in football as a whole, but they're producing uh, NFL talent. And they're going to, they also produced a guy named Eric Watts that was down at the Hula Bowl that got his invite to, sing, to the Senior Bowl from Jim Nagy just a couple of days ago. So two UConn guys this year are uh, going to be represented in Mobile. Move down the list here. Big BYU former five star recruit Singsley, Kingsley Suamatia, excuse me. Um, he is a ball of clay. At the position, uh, started out at Oregon, went to BYU. Excited to see him down there. Uh, young kid, but all the tools in the world to be a hell of a talent. 
And this is just another guy that falls into that bucket to where if you can't get one of the top three or four tackles in this class that are on your board, now all, all boards are unique, but if you can get your guy at that certain spot to where you want to maybe move into the back end of day one or early portions of day two, I do think Kingsley's going to be a top 40 pick in this class. I think he should be. I think he has the talent, the floor, and the ceiling to really intrigue a team to come in and be a starting tackle from day one. But it's another guy to highlight, to really showcase his ability against more refined athletes on the defensive side of the ball this week. Bo Limmer, I mentioned a little bit earlier from Arkansas. He's going to live within the interior. Jackson Powers Johnson from Oregon, uh, for me, is the top center uh, in this class, right alongside Graham Barton. So I'm really interested to see how those guys separate themselves. Loved the athletic ability from Jackson. A um, little bit of a box frame for him, uh, but just extremely strong uh, in, in his upper half. And then when you get out in space and you ask him to do unique things, like reaching that front side, front side one tech, um, that's really tough. That's really, really tough to do uh, as, a, as a blocker. And I saw that at times from Jackson Powers Johnson. And recently, over the last few years, the only guy I've seen do that with consistency was John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota, who went to the Giants last year, and he had a really good year one. So if I see that from Jackson Powers Johnson, John Michael was at the Senior Bowl, now Jackson's going down there. It's a spot to where Jim and his staff consistently are able to get really the top centers in the entire class. Now, whether you're a junior like Jackson was, or a senior like John Michael was, again, coming out of that Golden Gopher program for Minnesota last year, and again, with the New York Giants currently. Moving down the list here, Layden Robinson from Texas A&M, really strong kid, like him, north-south. Brandon Coleman from TCU. Uh, Steve Avila, who went to the Rams, he was there last year. Excited to see Brandon Coleman, some tackle guard versatility for him as well. Really, really strong uh, in his upper half as well. But the footwork, I think, is something that stands out for me when I watch Brandon Coleman. I mentioned the tackle guard versatility and the run game, but his ability to stand up and counter pass rushers as well. And the footwork to slide, whether you're moving up, whether you're moving back, and to consistently keep that anchor. And he's got quick hands as well. And he looks like a smart kid um, also. So Brandon Coleman from TCU, again, Steve Avila there last year. Another TCU Horn Frog to know in Brandon Coleman. Patrick Paul from Houston, the brother of Chris Paul coming out of Tulsa. He went to the Washington Commanders. Patrick is interesting. And what I mean by that is when you turn on the Texas tape for Patrick Paul, he got his ass kicked, in my opinion, against Ethan Burke, who was a true sophomore, number 91 for the Texas Longhorns this year, a name to know moving in the next few years. That first half was rough for Patrick. Whatever he did in the locker room, at half, whatever he did, whatever he ate, whatever he was, he figured out in his head, whatever he talked to with his, his positional coaches, he came out in the second half and showcased Pro Bowl all-pro type of NFL stuff at tackle. The floor for Patrick, I think, varies more than anybody in this class. But the ceiling is arguably immense as anybody in this class. The athleticism is off the charts. He's a big boy. He moves well. Technically, I think there is some refinement needed in his game, as I just mentioned. And it's going to be a nice test to see him. But there are no questions as far as from a frame perspective and the athleticism and movement skills and the pass pro floor for him. I like his game a bunch. I just think he's going to be one of these tricky evals to where if someone takes him at 15, I'm not going to be shocked. But if he goes at 50, I'm also not going to be shocked with Patrick Paul. Some people like him. Some people don't. 
Me personally, he's going to be a guy I highlight how he does in Mobile and the more tape I'm going to continue to watch on Patrick as we move forward into these next few months. So that's Patrick Paul from Houston. Christian Jones from Texas uh, had a little bit of a rough outing against Braylon Trice and the Washington Huskies in that championship game. But everybody I've talked to believe Christian Jones is a starting tackle in this league, and I think he's got the athleticism and the pass pro ability in an extremely thick and wide uh, upper half to where he just has this Venus flytrap ability to keep guys within his frame and, again, walk his hips to the opposing edge rusher and, and stop the rep with consistency. Not a perfect player. Um, not going to be a top 40 or 50 pick, but someone late on day two, I think that's where Christian Jones goes. And if he does have a good week and showcases well, that's where I think he'll land as a fringe top 100 guy in this class. Satoa Laumea from Utah. Kyle Whittingham in that Utah program consistently pump out guys every single year. Satoa is another guy that has a lot of tackle and guard versatility. The last two years, he's lived out at right tackle, but the years prior, he lived at right guard. So for NFL scouts perspective, they love to see that tackle versatility. Now, never played on the left side at Utah. Again, lived at right guard, lived at right tackle. But the ability to come into Mobile and provide that position flex for someone I think that will rise post-Mobile as we get to the Combine. People see this kid in person, see the power that he plays with, and a little bit of the, I do like calling it intelligent violence. We always like the guys that throw people around and have this raw ability to just overpower and distort the line of scrimmage. But the ability to play intelligently, I appreciate that in guys like that. And that, that's what I feel like Satoa is. Uh, along the line of scrimmage. Keep moving along here. Troy Fatanu from Washington and Roger Rosengarten. Both guys right along that Huskies front five. A dominant Huskies unit. Their offense was sensational this year. CFP runner-up. Um, Troy Fatanu, I, I think of one thing when I think of Troy, and that's footwork. And I want you guys out there to understand just how important footwork is. It doesn't matter if you're playing football, hockey, cricket. I don't care what you're playing. If you don't have footwork, you're not going to succeed. And to see his feet move at his size. Now, some people think he's going to be best at guard. I think you throw him out at tackle and see what you got there first. Because I think he's going to have the length to do, to do so. And absolutely the movement skills to counter the edge rushers of the NFL. It's sensational. Um, and, and I really appreciate Troy's game. And I think he's someone for me. He's going to be a day one guy. Definitely a guy I see coming off the board within the top 25, 26 picks. And excited to see him as well. Again, another guy with that tackle guard versatility where he will work specifically because NFL evaluators, uh, some evaluate him more at guard, some evaluate him more as plugging him as a day one left tackle. So we'll see him down in both spots in just a few weeks. Tanner Borderlini from Wisconsin. Every time you get a big boy out of Wisconsin, you kind of know the floor that you're going to have in that type of athlete. He is right along the running for one of the top centers in this class. So I mentioned earlier, right, Jackson Powers Johnson and Cedric Van Pran and Graham Barton. It was unfortunate of the injury to Zach Frazier from West Virginia, but Tanner's right there alongside him. And he's someone that has a massive chip on his shoulder to get down there. A lot of NFL evaluators think he's extremely underrated in this class. So don't be shocked we head out of Mobile and potentially Borderlini may jump a guy like Frazier, may jump a guy like Cedric Van Pran in this class as far as centers to value uh, in this group. Moving down the line here, uh, we got a lot more guys to go, guys. A couple more linemen, then we'll get to the skill players, which I, which I can't wait to talk about. Ethan Driscoll from Marshall, small school kid, but has been talked about a lot these last few months. Excited to see him. And I just mentioned Zach Frazier suffered that nasty injury at the end of the year. Uh, but love his game. Four-time 
wrestling champ, state champ in high school. Uh, a heavyweight. He is someone that if he's not playing football, he could probably win a world championship in the UFC. Um, this guy is nasty. Uh, just his refinement in his hands. Now, the length may worry some teams, um, but he just, the way in which he wins, the way in which his leverage points, the way in which he establishes contact, the way in which he wins first with his hands is beyond his years. And you can immediately tell if a guy has a background as a wrestler. And when I watch Zach Frazier, I think about Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa. And it's not to say I'm comparing the two, but you can tell these interior guys that have a wrestling background and which the ways that they use their hands, their counters and their strength to just latch, close, grip, and the rep is over. Be able to sink that butt in the ground and there's just nothing that a guy can do. He's just going to mirror and match you and slide his feet and, and you're done. In the run game, working up to the second level, he understands what the leverage points are, understands how to flip his hips inside, outside to seal a guy. It, it's just good stuff from Zach Frazier, and I really appreciate his game within the middle. Wish he was 100% healthy, but NFL team that that needs bodies within the interior, I don't think he's going to drop like a guy we saw with Andrew Voorhees out of USC last year to where 2022 fall, when it was September, October, November, we were talking about Andrew Voorhees as a potential late day one guy. Then he gets hurt, and then he bumps down to the seventh round. I don't see that happening with a guy like Zach Frazier. The medicals are always important, but I just don't see that type of drop with him in this class. I think he's a hell of a player. I think he's a guy that could start for a decade at, at within the interior in the lungs of an offensive line. And it's just such an overlooked position, whether you're an offense that is rebuilding and you need a guy, a, a fresh young center. Usually you don't want to have a young center and a young quarterback. You want to have some type of experience at center, bringing in a young guy or an older quarterback with a young center, that type of dynamic, right? What we've seen, for example, with Patrick Mahomes in, when they drafted Cree Humphrey out of Oklahoma, that type of relationship. But Zach Frazier, I, I think he's a hell of a player. I think he's a hell of a kid. And again, wish he was healthy, wishing the best for him. But I, I just, I like his game. I really do. And I think someone's going to get a, a really nice pick out of him once he gets back to 100% and values him highly as a core, core piece of an offensive line moving in uh, to the next few years of his career. So that is all the offensive linemen, guys, that are going to be down at the Senior Bowl. Now let's get into the skill guys. Quarterback Joe Milton, the third from Tennessee. Big-armed quarterback. Excited to see him slinging around. But I want to see more from Joe as far as ball placement. There's some arrogance to him, the confidence perspective I love about his game. But I want to see him more as a refined passer. Now, there's a difference between being a thrower and a passer and a quarterback. I want to see Joe be more of a quarterback uh, down here in Mobile before we get to the combine tour. Most likely he will be, and it's going to be really pretty watching Joe sling that thing around Lucas Oil Stadium, but in an environment here to where the receivers he's never worked with, behind an offensive line he's never worked with, if he does stay around for the game, some guys leave early during the week, and they will leave early during the week, we'll like to see his ability to just read defenses, stay inside the pocket, and be decisive. That's what I want to see more of from Joe Milton down in Mobile in a couple weeks. Spencer Rattler from South Carolina. You guys know the name. The last four, five, six years coming out of Pinnacle High School in Arizona, that big-time program. If you guys think, still think that Spencer Rattler is the kid on that Netflix documentary or whatever it was, uh, you're wrong. The way in which he's progressed going from Oklahoma and dealing with adversity and getting benched for Caleb Williams, 
to then going to Carolina and linking back up with Beamer. Um, he was excellent the back end of 2022 and excellent most of this year to where the line didn't help him out much. And the receivers, look, Juice Wells had some pop. Xavier Leggett's going to be down at the Senior Bowl. So it's nice to throw to both those guys. But the way in Spencer's progressed um, has been sensational. And he was looked upon as the really before like the 2022 fall, watched him in the summer. A lot of people thought Spencer Rattler was the number one overall pick. Now, he's most likely not going to go on day one. Could someone value him there if he lights it up in Mobile and lights up the combine and kills the interview process? Who knows what happens, guys? This is the NFL. Um, and we're in a league where we're seeing guys like Josh Dobbs and, and Trace McSorley and Taylor Heineke starting games all across the league and Tyler Huntley where people need players. And they're going to do anything to potentially get their face of the franchise, right? Their guy. Now... Spencer's not perfect. He's not. Not at all. I, I don't think in this class overall, right, there's an extremely clean prospect. I think all of them, you could say, well, they do this so well, but what about this? What about this? What about this? A lot of guys have elite traits, right? We talk about Drake May. He's six foot four, got the big arm, looks good. Processor under center. Jaden Daniels' dual threat ability is fantastic. Caleb Williams' creativity. That's all elite stuff. But each one of them, you could say this and this and this. And that's the same thing you say with Spencer. And really last year, for those of you that were down in Mobile, I know you guys, like myself, were a little bit maybe underwhelmed with the quarterback performances that were there. I know the year prior when we saw Kenny Pickett and Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter and it was raining those first few days and it was ugly and just wasn't great atmosphere for the quarterbacks to succeed, it was underwhelming. But now we got this group where I just mentioned Joe Milton, you got Spencer Rattler, Bo Nix from Oregon, Michael Pratt from Tulane, Sam Hartman from Notre Dame, uh, Carter Bradley from South Alabama, and then Michael Penix from Washington. That's a hell of a group. And it's a good thing for if you're a running back, tight end, or receiver with those guys throwing to you because they're going to lay it in the bucket for you whether you're running a 10-yard curl or you're running a 40-yard go ball. Uh, they're going to be able to lay it for you when we're in one-on-ones with quarterbacks, receivers uh, against the corner. So moving down the list here, I just mentioned Bo Nix. Um, I love the way in which Bo Nix has matured and improved rapidly out of Auburn. Cut and going to Oregon, going to Oregon. Whatever he did with Kenny Dillingham obviously improved his game. Um, I appreciate the maturity. I appreciate the efficiency. I appreciate the sneaky dual threat ability he has. But again, mainly the the rapid improvements that he made out from Auburn and going to Oregon and what we see now with his evaluation. Where is Bo Nix? Is he a day one guy? For me, I think he is. I think he's the latter portion of day one, middle portion of day one, and early portions of day two. I know everybody wants these hero ball type of players, these Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jacksons of the world, but you can also win with guys like this. And I'm not saying you need an offensive surroundings like the San Francisco 49ers, but someone that can operate with accuracy and efficiency, that's what I see with Bo Nix. Now, do you want that type of guy on day one? That's the question that NFL teams are going to have to ask themselves, but I know he's going to kill the interview process. I know NFL teams are high on him already as far as just a leader and a processor and a diagnoser under center. And this is just going to be another week to where you're not going to see Bo Nix try to consistently pump it 15, 20, 25 yards down the field. You're going to see him take the checkdowns on second and 10. You're going to see him uh, try to hit the tight end over the middle of the field, layering it over that linebacker that just flipped his hip, flips his hips and he's late to locate that guy. Just a f- good quarterback. Good athlete, a smart kid, and I appreciate that in Bo Nix's game. Michael Pratt from Tulane, the American Athletic Conference's Player of the Year. I like Michael Pratt a lot. I think he's got some sneaky athleticism. Him and Bo Nix 
have some similarities to their game. Now, Michael has not been around a ton, right? He hasn't competed in a Power 5 program like Bo Nix has, right? From Auburn to Oregon. But Michael is going to sling that thing around uh, in Mobile. And I think there's some little things in his game to where what he was asked to do in the two-lane offense, I think there's some mechanical stuff that is going to be adjusted at the NFL level. Um, they ran a lot of play action to where he was neutral to line of scrimmage, shoulders square to line of scrimmage, to where he's running that mesh point and then flipping his head around and then getting into his drop back. That's wasted movement. And those are little things I want to see addressed, whether it's in Mobile and they ask him to do a little bit different. You see a lot of guys in that staggered stance as a quarterback in shotgun, whether it's like they're in pistol or they're in shotgun, right? Pistol running back behind him, shotgun to his left or right hip. And I think those are just little things, right? You don't want to have a lot of wasted movement um, at the NFL level because you're just giving more time for guys to get after you. So those are some little things in Michael Pratt's game that need to be adjusted, but I like his game overall, and I think he's going to sling that thing around and not be afraid to do so uh, as a guy that may be a potential top fringe, top 100, top 110 pick uh, in this class, and some teams may value him even higher. Sam Hartman from Notre Dame, obviously the success at, at Wake, and then going to uh, South Bend, a leader under center, um, he's a day three guy for me. He's come in right now and be a backup and someone that compete, right? He's that guy that lives in your rear view mirror and you just don't want to see him back there. Um, someone that's going to compete his tail off. Someone that has dual threat ability, a lot of success. He's mature. He's seen it all at the college level, but at the end of the day, he's still got to strap up and succeed. And he had a bunch of success in the ACC. And then what he did for Notre Dame as well, because Notre Dame, as good a program as they've had, we know the last few years, every time they get to the CFP, they get their asses taken behind the barn and whooped up a little bit. Um, but finally got a quarterback. He was the best quarterback really to be there for a long, long time. You could say he was, I'm not going to say Ian Book, right? The best quarterback since Ian. Um, I could even go back farther and say, you know, he was the best quarterback really since Brady Quinn or Jimmy Clausen from a talent perspective uh, for South Bend. Moving forward, Carter Bradley from South Alabama. I love what Jim does with the South Alabama guys. Every single year, there's one or two guys Um that come in from South Alabama. They're in Mobile. The game is at Hancock-Whitney Stadium, the home of the South Alabama Jaguars. So every single year, there's a guy or two that gets an opportunity on this stage from the Jaguars program uh, to show up and produce. And I'm excited to see Carter as well as a guy that can really sling it. Um, has an underrated athletic profile as well uh, as a signal caller. And then there's Michael Penix. You guys know the name. You know the skill set. There is a lot to be discussed uh, when it comes to Michael Penix. Um, for me, he is a fringe round one, round two guy. Um, I know a lot of you out there went crazy about the Texas film, what he did against the Longhorns and the CFP semi, but we saw that all year long. And the medicals are going to be huge for him, right? The injuries that he suffered at Indiana. But it was really easy for Michael to target Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan and Jalen Polk and hand it off to Dylan Johnson and target Jack Westover over the middle of the field and have guys like Troy Fotanu and Roger Rosengarten, who I mentioned earlier, are going to be down at Senior Bowl protecting for you. And his evaluation reminds me a lot of, for me, of what I saw from Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee to where he was unplayable at Virginia Tech in Hooker, then going to Tennessee, to where it was a wide-open offense, Dalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman on the outside, one read, make a throw vertically. As a vertical thrower of the football, Penix, I believe, is the best in this class. I'm not taking anything away from him from that perspective. He throws a beautiful deep ball. But the mechanics lack for me 
There's a lot of all arm throwing. There's no core involved. There's no legs, nothing. Now, again, people are going to fall in love with the arm talent. People are going to fall in love with the potential of him falling into their offense. And I completely understand that. But when things break down around him, the accuracy goes haywire. The turnover-worthy plays increase. And when I watched the Michigan game, and that's really where, for me, I I really had a keen eye for Michael in that ball game because Texas, no slouch to Texas. They got a bunch of guys coming down to the Senior Bowl as well. Defensively, we'll talk about next week. But Michigan, Texas didn't have a Will Johnson on the outside. They didn't have a Mike Sandra still. They didn't have a Rod Moore. Now, Jade Barron, who was initially committed to the Senior Bowl, is going back to school at safety. So we'll see him next fall in college football. But Michael in that ball game against Michigan, when Will Johnson shut down, didn't shut down Romo Dunze, but they offered some unique looks where they took away those guys and they wanted to force it underneath and they wanted to send four or five or six or seven sometimes at Michael Penix to force him outside of the pocket and force him to make throws. And that's what I want to see Michael do in Mobile. And first off, I'm extremely excited to see Michael in Mobile. And I'm glad he showed up because last year we all talked about Will Levis. Why isn't he in Mobile? And he drops to the second round. I want to see guys compete. And I love that competitive nature from Michael Penix to say, look, I'm not going to have Rome down here. I'm going to have some of my linemen, but I'm going to show up. I'm going to sling that thing around and I'm going to show people why I'm a top 15 pick. And that's what I love. Because again, not all, none of these guys are perfect. But I want to see more from Michael mechanically and just as a processor within the 5 to 10 to 12, 13 yard area of the offense. I don't need you throwing go balls 40, 50 yards every third or fourth play. Because that's what we saw a lot from that Washington offense this year. Where sometimes he would only have 19, 20 completions, but it would be for 450 yards and 5 touchdowns. Where each pass play completed for 20, 25 yards. Huge chunk plays every time. And it's okay to take the dinks and dunks. It's okay to hit singles and doubles sometimes. You don't always have to get up to the plate and hit a home run, right? You don't have to do that because sometimes people like that, you know, you're, you may have 45 home runs, but at the end of the day, you're only hitting 205. And does that win at the NFL level? Who knows? We'll see. That's for the NFL to figure out. But that's why I remain interested to see how Michael plays in Mobile, how he shows up, with a, a neutral environment, with neutral receivers he's never worked with before. The one-on-ones, the, the deep ball is going to look beautiful. But as they get into seven-on-sevens and he wants to stretch it down the field a little bit, that's the stuff where I just want to see his quick processing ability, diagnosing, sticking that back foot in the ground and making throws. Because, again, the arm talent is sensational. That fundamental ability to throw it 100 miles an hour through the seam or layer it, little change up outside the numbers, 10 yards down the field. That stuff's pretty. Love that about Michael's game. And just excited to see him down at the Senior Bowl. So that's the quarterbacks. Again, Milton, Rattler, Nix, Michael Pratt from Tulane, Hartman from Notre Dame, Carter Bradley from South Alabama, and Michael Penix Jr. from Washington. Let's get into the RBs real quick. Dylan Lauby from New Hampshire is probably one of the most experienced nuanced route runners in this class as a Pure ball carrier, you're not going to see it at the NFL level. He's going to be valued as a guy that's used in space, and you're going to see it a lot down in Mobile. Wheel routes, arrow routes, China routes, return routes, juke routes, curls. Then he's going to pick up speed 
and beat a linebacker over the top or a safety. Really nuanced runner and a really good athlete. Now, you may have seen it otherwhere in other places. Some people will say this guy's Christian McCaffrey. He is not Christian McCaffrey, guys. He's not Christian McCaffrey. Do, do not put that label on this kid. But he is an athlete and he can absolutely play and he will make an NFL roster next year. Cody Schrader from Missouri is the type of guy that if you're an RB2 on an offense and your team takes Cody Schrader, um, he's going to outwork you for snaps. That's, that's Cody Schrader. Uh, tons of success for this Missouri offense this year. Former walk-on, just in between the tackles, run through your face and has some sneaky ability on the outside where he's got foot quickness to gear up and gear down quickly and then has that frame at 200, at 200 plus pounds and to run through you and over you uh, as well. So, that's Cody Schrader uh, from Mizzou. Marshawn Lloyd from USC. For some people, maybe the top back in this entire class. Obviously, with Travion Henderson from Ohio State going back to school. That's going to be fun for the Buckeyes next year, watching him and Quinshawn Junkins. Judkins, excuse me, that transferred in from Ole Miss. Hell of a one-two pairing for that group. Both those guys should probably go over 1,000 yards next year. But Marshawn Lloyd is a really physical ball carrier. I know some people have comped him to Marshawn Lynch. It's fine. Marshawn ran with a different type of violence behind his pads, but Marshawn has that sneaky juice to the perimeter. I think it's going to showcase extremely well in Mobile, as well as a tenacity in pass pro that I know a lot of the RB's coaches that are going to be down there are going to appreciate when watching Marshawn. Kamani Vidal and Rasheen Ali. Vidal from Troy and Ali from Marshall, both smaller guys. Uh, they're going to be valued kind of similar in that Keaton Mitchell from ECU type of bucket. Tyler Beatty a couple years ago out of Mizzou. That type of bucket, I feel like, is where Kamani Vidal and Rasheen Ali fit for me. Uh, later portions of day three, you could call them scat backs. They've had workhorse type of, of touches for both their offenses. Again, Vidal at Troy and Ali at Marshall. And a guy that can come in as an RB3 or change a pace, you're going to value these types of guys. They got some bulk to them. They got some wiggle to them. And again, pieces like this matter in the NFL game. And they're going to be absolutely, at least compete for a roster spot here come summertime. Ray Davis is another big back out of Kentucky. Really interested to see how Ray does. They had a Kentucky back there last year and Chris Rodriguez Jr. that went to the Commanders on day three. I think Ray is going to be in that similar bucket. Maybe he goes a little bit before Chris just because of the size, the the ability to throttle up quickly when you watch Ray's game. I like that about Ray. Tough as nails. Another guy that's going to stick his face in and pass pro and I think he's got a little bit of untapped ability in space as well. Jalen Wright from Tennessee, he reminds me a lot of what we saw last year's game from Eric Gray. Eric started his career out at uh, Tennessee, ended up at Oklahoma, former big-time recruit. Jalen's very similar to Eric Gray. Um, I liked Eric a little bit more as a flat-out running back with the ball in his hands in the backfield, Uh, but Jalen has some juice to him as he gets to that second and third level, quickly working up to the linebackers. Excited to see him in space. Jawar Jordan from Louisville, another smaller back, but that third down type of scat back in space, screens, take it 15, 20, 25 yards. A lot of success with that Louisville offense this year, and the Louisville Cardinals had a hell of a year uh, for them in the ACC. And then one of my favorite running backs to wrap out the, uh, round out the RBs that we're going to see down in Mobile, guys, uh, Amani Bailey from TCU. Uh, watched his film a couple days ago. Uh, really taking a deep dive. And when you watch the Colorado tape from the first game of the year, they lost to Deion Sanders, Colorado Buffaloes at home. Amani Bailey, I is extremely underappreciated in this class. 
electric type of ball carrier. Quickly works up to fifth gear working through the line of scrimmage. Now, he's not going to run away from guys working in 20, 30, 40 yards down the field. I don't think he has that. He has the top end speed to get there, but he doesn't have that extra gear to pull away, at least from what I've seen. But the foot quickness and the toughness and the wiggle to get around people if they do catch up to him, he turns into really a bowling ball with knives when he's in space. Nobody wants to take him down. Nobody really just can take him down. Trying to get an arm around him or diving at the ankle simply will not work with Imani. Um, there may not be many more players that I'm ex- more excited to see in eval once we're down in Mobile than Imani Bailey. Uh, about 5'9", 5'10", 205, 207 is what he played at this year. He split time with Trey Sanders, who transferred in from Alabama for that Horned Frogs offense this year. And he's got some fresh tread on the tires. And I think a team that wants that RB2 or potentially could slide into that RB1 role and someone that can also work in space, he caught all 25 of his targets this year. I'm pumped to see him. I really am. Just, you need an RB with some zip and some juice to provide a jolt of youth-infused legs to your running back's room and your offense as that chess piece, both as a ball carrier and in space. Imani Bailey is absolutely that guy. Let's get to the tight ends. A very unique group of Y and F versatile talents. When I say Y, it's more of that inline, typical tight end. When I say F, just think of flexed out in space, whether you're in the slot or whether you're the, to the perimeter. Um, not as dynamic as last year, right? We're not going to see the Dalton Kincaid, Sam Laporta, Michael Mayer, Darnell Washington, Tucker Craft type of group. Um, but there was no Brock Bowers in last year's group. And he's going to be the clear tight end one, tight end two for me is Jatavian Sanders from Texas. He's going to be out at the Shrine Bowl. But the group of guys behind those guys, really everyone's at the Senior Bowl. And... I love the tight end group specifically because of how it continues to evolve. In the NFL game, you need mismatch pieces. you got to have guys not just sure friendly faces like a Jason Witten or a Jeremy Shockey over the middle of the field. Heath Miller, Dallas Clark type of guys. you got to have these dynamic pieces. Now, there is no Kyle Pitts going to be at the Senior Bowl this year. That type of athlete, I, I don't see. I'm not saying... You know, look, there's a lot of conversation to be had about Kyle Pitts and what he's done in Atlanta thus far in his career, underused. But the guys here in Mobile, I like. I do. And I think getting into the right offensive scheme to where they fit and guys don't pigeonhole them to do certain things, where if you're an F and you're asked to be a Y or you're a typical Y to where you're a primary blocker and a run-heavy offense, now you're asked to consistently play the F and work in space, don't pigeonhole guys. And with the versatility of skill sets here, which I'm going to get into in just a second, is really intriguing for NFL teams that do their due diligence as you move into the latter portions of day two and into day three to get guys that could very, very easily be a tight end one for your offense. It starts with Theo Johnson uh, from Penn State. We saw Brenton Strange from Penn State go to the Jaguars early in last year's draft and really surprise people. A lot of people in, in, the, in league circles think that Theo Johnson could be the third tight end off the board in this year's class. So excited to see him. Brevin Span Ford, we thought was going to come out last year. He's finally declared. Big, big, big dude. 6'7", 6'8", out of Minnesota. Probably the top blocker for me in this class as that Y. Um, But want to see some more nuance, some more tempo in his route running to get that separation over the middle of the field because 
linebacker safeties or if you're against a bigger corner at the NFL level, they're just going to press you inside that contact window and you're not going to be able to separate. So that's Brevin Span Ford. A.J. Barner is a really interesting prospect from Michigan. Every single year, guys from Michigan come out. Right, We saw Luke Schoonmaker come out last year. Eric All from Michigan transferred uh, to Iowa. They got another tight end coming out. Most likely, we'll see about Colston Loveland next year. is going to be a junior. He wore number 18 for that Wolverines offense. Uh, dynamic kid. I think he's going to be a potential late day one, day early day two pick next year. Uh, so AJ is refined in space. I think he's a hell of a blocker as well. You just want that YF hybrid athlete. That's going to be AJ Barner for you. As we get forward into um, the latter portions of this list, Tanner McLaughlin from Arizona. Um, from my conversations with those, the senior bowl staff, Tanner was a late addition. Uh, they're not sure if he will be drafted. Um, there's not many draftable grades on him right now across the league, but when you turn on his tape, I think there's some juice there. I think somebody late on day three that wants that tight end too as a flex mismatch weapon. Um, think about the types of guys in Kansas city behind Travis Kelsey, right? And, and Noah Gray and Blake Bell. I think Tanner McLaughlin would fit really well in that type of role. Jared Wiley from TCU is going to be one of more of the prettier guys in uniform. And what I mean by that is he just looks like a damn football player. Um, big, strong, physical, smooth route runner, athletic. I think he's underappreciated in this class. I think he's absolutely going to be a guy taking uh, early portions of the fourth round, third round potentially, see how people value him. I think he's going to showcase really well his ability to block and, and as a pass catcher in space to where he's got really good hands. Not a basket catcher, does not catch it with his shoulder pads, catches it away from his frame consistently and is able to churn yards after contact and after the catch as well. Um, but my two favorite guys uh, down here are going to be Ben Sinnott from Kansas State and Jaheim Bell from Florida State. I'll start with Sinnott. He's going to wear, I believe Jim, in our conversations, he's going to wear a number in the 80s because he wore 34 at Kansas State. And you wear 34, you think you're a running back or you think you're a safety or a linebacker or something. But he's going to wear 80. He's going to look like a damn tight end from a numbers perspective. Um, but he does everything. H-back, Y, F, he can do it all. And I think he's an athlete that the same conversations we had last year about Sam Laporta being underused. The touches weren't there. The volume wasn't there. But you project him to an NFL offense and he could be a hell of a hell of a mismatch piece. And we saw that this year where Sam Laporta was just sensational for the Lions offense. Now, I'm not saying that's Ben Sinnott, but I think his versatility and comfortability in space and with the ball in his hands and the ability to block as well. It doesn't matter if he's got his hand in the dirt or he's aligned as a fullback. If he falls in an offense that utilizes him correctly as that chess piece, I'm really intrigued to see the type of ceiling he may have for a unique offensive architecture. And the same goes with Jaheim Bell. I just think Jaheim is a higher tier fundamental athlete with the burst that can run past people, second, third level, get the ball in his hands on a crosser, get him on a screen, have him chip and release. Uh, you want to align him on the outside against a 240-pound linebacker that runs 4-6, Jaheim's going to beat him in space. That's Jaheim Bell. And I appreciate that about his game, and it just fits the modern NFL offense. Someone that tries to pigeonhole him as a Y with his hand in the dirt trying to block all day long, that's not Jaheim but someone that uses him in a variety of different alignments, outside, inside. I, I, I'm excited to see Jaheim in Mobile and, and see how he is utilized in these offenses for 
the coaching staffs that will be there to what he could be in an NFL offense. Because this is the really the first glimpse for a lot of these guys as to how an NFL offense and, and verbiage and all that type of stuff is going to work for an NFL game. So again, my two favorites and two guys I'm really excited to see down there are Ben Sinnott from Kansas State and Jaheim Bell from Florida State. But the list as a whole, really, I mean, Theo Johnson, again, from Penn State. Jared Wiley from TCU, I'm really excited about. And A.J. Barner is just that clean type of prospect um, you just can't go wrong with out of Michigan. So let's get to the final group, and that is the receivers. Uh, it starts with Xavier Leggett from South Carolina. Um, I think he's absolutely around one talent. I don't see how he slips to day two if he's on my board. Um, Grown-ass man on the perimeter, about 6'2", 225, can run every single route in the book, can gear up and run past you, can cut it off, can block his tail off for you. Uh, I know there's a lot of comparisons out there to the DK Metcalf type of frame. It's not far off from a frame perspective. I'm not going to compare them as players, but Xavier is absolutely a day one guy. Those types of athletes do not last until round two. I don't expect the NFL to get cute on a guy like him. He's just a sensational talent fundamentally and moving into the next level where don't, I don't need him to be a, a wide receiver one right now. But if he can come into a spot and be a wide receiver 1A, similar to what we saw with Jordan Addison, right, alongside Justin Jefferson, I love that type of spot for a guy like Xavier Leggett to where he's not going to have the attention right away on him. Don't care who you are coming out of college, you still got to get the respect of NFL defenders. But Xavier's a hell of a player, and he's going to showcase well in Mobile and just really, he could big boy you at the line of scrimmage, so you can't press him, he'll throw you off, and then he'll run by you, cut it off, rise above him, rise above a guy, play above the rim. Just a, just a fundamental good football player. Uh, Tez Walker from North Carolina. You guys know the story. Uh, coming in from Kent State, initially the NCAA deemed him ineligible. One of the most talented receivers in this class. Uh, I think he's a guy to where his stock could rise immensely, stay neutral, or, or kind of slip a little bit uh, for him. I, I know some people value him. Some scouts have him in the first round, locked in day one. And if he has a hell of a week, who knows how high this kid could go, but the talent's absolutely there. And working with Drake May this year uh, was a nice one-two combo to see for the Tar Heels. Roman Wilson from Michigan, more underappreciated guy in this class. I think he's someone that goes later portions of day two into early portions of day three, inside out versatility, great hands. He's tough. He runs clean routes. He's going to be one of the fastest guys this year in this entire class. I do expect him to run four threes. Um, He's just a flat-out good football player. I know last year we we saw um, the 49ers take Ronnie Bell late on day three out of Michigan. I think Roman Wilson is a souped-up version of Ronnie Bell. I love Roman's game. Wide receiver two, high-level wide receiver three for an offense. That, that's going to be Roman. Uh, just a flat-out good football player. Malachi Corley from Western Kentucky is absolutely in the running alongside Quinion Mitchell from Toledo as the top group of five prospect in this class. Uh, he's had a lot of comparisons to Debo Samuel for their ability after the catch. Um, and I, I'll, I'll say this is that I don't think it's far off guys. Uh, Malachi is special with the ball in his hands. He turns into a 220 plus pound running back when he gets in space. So he catches it 15 yards down the field. One guy's not going to take him down. You got to have two, three, four guys rally to the football, all hats on the ball to take Malachi down Uh special type of athlete, really good kid, humble, is excited to show out in Mobile and really excited to see him. Jamari Thrash from Louisville, Georgia State transfer, electric kid, uh, going to provide some special teams pop as well to teams. Don't be shocked to see him returning kicks in Mobile. 
Jaquan Jackson from Tulane, one of Michael Pratt's favorite targets for the Green Wave this year and the success that they had. Uh, he is most likely going to be a starter as a punt returner in the NFL from everything that I've heard. He can absolutely fly. Uh, I know some comparisons I mentioned Deshaun Jackson when they watched Jaquan Jackson. So he could fly, ladies and gentlemen, absolutely fly. And we know that you can't teach speed. He's much more than that. It's just a linear athlete. He can run east-west uh, and, uh, again, offer some pop on special teams, which is extremely important, of course, as you move in uh, to the NFL level. Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint from Georgia, as well as Lad McConkey. Lad McConkey is going to be taken higher. Uh, don't look at Lad McConkey and, and provide that stereotype to say, you know, he's just a slot guy, quick footwork over the middle of the field. Lad is a hell of a player, hell of an athlete, excellent hands, tough as nails. He could be a guy next year that if he teases with a, a thousand yards, I, I would not be shocked. He can win from a variety of alignments. Again, I mentioned the route running is sensational. I expect him to dominate one-on-ones. Uh, for Rosemey Jack Saint, he's probably the best blocker in the perimeter out of any receiver that's going to be down at the Senior Bowl. Really physical, and, and I think he's someone that can rise with a good week in Mobile and, of course, with interviews as well, which is big for all of these guys. Ricky Pearsall from Florida. I mentioned him earlier as an Arizona State transfer. Had one of the catches of the year over the middle of the field. There's a lot of 5'11 to six foot, six foot one guys in this class uh, that are going to make a lot of noise in this, in this year's group when we get to Detroit. Uh, in late April and where they go. Um, and Ricky's one of those guys as well. Six foot, six one, depending what day you see him. <laughs> so Ricky's a hell of an athlete. Again, over the middle of the field. Uh, love his ability to separate. Love his toughest on the perimeter as well. He can get up and go get it 40 yards down the field. And he won't be afraid to stick his face in as a lead blocker in a tunnel screen as well. And also a unique piece, I think, of some jet sweeps and, and jet motion. Things that we see in the NFL nowadays to get him in free space with free releases Ricky Pearsall, you get him in space, one-on-one opportunities. He's going to win that 70-80% of the time. Johnny Wilson from Florida State. Um, he's going to play some tight end as well at the Senior Bowl. Um, interesting to see how he does there because I think if he can show any ability as a blocker, he's an immense mismatch nightmare for any safety or any linebacker that wants to cover him. Uh, he's got sneaky, sneaky juice. It doesn't look like he's running on tape because he's got those long strides, but he can get up and go get it. Uh, he and Keon Coleman were that that big power forward center type of combo, if you will, for Florida State this year and Jordan Travis. Uh, would have loved to have seen them in the CFP if Travis stayed healthy, but that's a whole other conversation for another time. But he's going to be really fun to watch, both outside and reduced inside uh, in the scene, at the Senior Bowl. Javon Baker from Central Florida. If you guys remember that Alabama, I'm sure you do, that famous picture of Devonta Smith, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddell, Javon uh, Baker was at Alabama at that time. He was in that group. When he transferred to UCF, physical kid, and a lot of success with John Reese Plumley, the quarterback for, for the UCF uh, Golden Knights this year. And they got some talent every single year that pops out there in Orlando. And Javon, I have a big red dot next to his name to check him out at the Senior Bowl because he is someone that has that physical type of frame that can run every route in the book, um, I want to see a little bit more flexibility in his hips, the ability to sink. But overall, I think he's someone on day three that you take to add depth. Love his game, really do. Um, moving forward, a couple guys left. Brendan Rice, Jerry Rice's son. Jerry's going to be is going to be at the Senior Bowl. Um, excited to see him. But Brendan can go. He could go. And, and Caleb Williams for so that Trojans off Trojan offense. 
he was really the number one guy for a lot of the year. I know they had Taj Washington. I know they had uh, Zechariah Branch, who's going to be a first-rounder in just a couple of years as a just an unbelievable talent. But Brendan is a... I think he's underappreciated in this class. I think you move into later portions of day two. Uh, that's where I think Rice is going to come off the board. Good frame, excellent hands, nuanced route runner, not afraid to go over the middle and take a shot. That's Brendan, Rice game, Brendan Rice's game. Looking forward to seeing him. Jacob Cowing from Arizona. Um, there's a lot of Zay Flowers to Jacob's game. And I don't think he's going to have the, I don't think he has the wiggle or the ability to tempo his route running at the top of his stem, whether he's working back, cutting in, cutting out, or accelerating like Zay did, that immediate flash of burst. But I think he's somebody that has similar a similar type of game as that wide receiver, high wide receiver three for an offense. to where you want to move him around, designated touches, crossers to run away over the middle of the field. That is going to be Jacob Cowing. Similar to him is Anaya Smith from Texas A&M. Both those guys are going to return kicks and offer some of that inside-out versatility as those just guys that can flat-out run and that are also tough over the middle of the field despite their lack of verticality, if you will, and the lack of body armor that they got uh, from a weight perspective at the receiver position. Luke McCaffrey, younger brother of Christian McCaffrey out of Rice, uh, really, really intrigued with Luke's skill set. He can align anywhere. He can do everything. His ability in the red zone, he plays bigger than his frame. Uh, someone that's going to get an opportunity, right? The, not a big program that Rice has, but Luke can play. And you're going to see that name McCaffrey and the whole family's full of athletes. Luke can play. And, and you guys, if you're down there in Mobile or you're looking for a receiver on day three to bring in and have some depth, Luke McCaffrey is absolutely that guy. And then to wrap things up, Jordan Whittington out of Texas, a fan favorite for the Longhorns. If you guys are Longhorn fans out there, you know about Jordan Whittington. And I haven't heard of damn thing bad about Jordan as a guy. And then he turned on the film and he could play some ball also. I think he's someone, again, as a depth piece. There are some guys, I mentioned Brendan Rice, Luke McCaffrey. Um, and I mentioned, of course, Jordan Whittington, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, Jaquan Jackson, Jamari Thrash. Those types of guys, some depth pieces on day three, I think is where they go. Um, excited to see Jordan there uh, as well. So that is every single offensive accepted invite to the Senior Bowl. I know Jim, as I've been doing this podcast, has been releasing the teams, the positional groups for both the American and national team on Twitter. So if you don't follow Jim Nagy already on Twitter, go ahead and shoot him a follow. Senior Bowl, they always do great work. So go ahead and follow them there. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Always appreciate you guys tuning in. Again, if you don't follow me on Twitter already, I'm at underscore Ryan Fowler. More written audio, video content is housed at Bleacher Report and thedraftnetwork.com. Senior Bowl is right around the corner, guys, and we are full speed ahead towards the draft. Uh, Always appreciate you guys tuning in. Appreciate your time. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find Commanding the Huddle. I will have a podcast out for you guys next Friday. Again, to preview the other side of the line of scrimmage. All the defensive guys. We'll talk the big boys up front, move back to the backers, and we'll talk corners and safeties as well. So appreciate you guys. I will talk to you next Friday. Enjoy the rest of your week and weekend. I'm Ryan Fowler, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.